Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich, the host around these parts. I'm so glad that you've decided to spend some time with us today. We are in for a fascinating conversation, one that I've been looking forward to for a few months. Um, super excited to have George, a friend of mine from East Lake Church uh, on the left coast with us. George, welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks so much for having me again, Rich. It's good to see you. Yeah, George is a, a, a visitor. He's been on the show in the past. And, you know, recently, well, I guess it's not recently anymore. I saw their church pop up in Time Magazine uh, in an interesting article. And so I wanted to get George's uh, in, in thought on that. And here we are in the summertime uh, talking about that. But George, before we jump in, I thought you could give us kind of, for people who haven't listened before, um, a bit of a history of Eastlake, kind of your story. What's your piece in the puzzle? And then give us a sense of who Eastlake is. Yeah, sure. So, um, see, I'm married. I have uh, two amazing children. One's actually turned seven today and uh, one's five. So, um, yes, that's most of my passion is spending time with them, obviously. But um, I'm a futurist at heart. I love to think about what's next. What's next for the church? What's next for society? Where, you know, where's all this going? What are we doing here? Uh, Is where I spend a lot of my my brain space. But I'm the executive pastor at Eastlake. I've been on the team for about four years. Uh, my wife and I have been a part of the community for about nine years, and uh, it's it's been an incredible place for us. It's been an unbelievable community. We've all, a lot of our friends uh, we we met through uh, through East Lake, and it's just been a fun ride. So, ten nice. years now it's existed, and so East Lake is a, a place where uh, we like to say that it's church for the rest of us, and it's a place where everyone's welcome. And um, what we what we try to replicate is just a, a, an authentic. Uh, place where you can be yourself and in the truest sense and not have to put on your your smiley church face on Mm -hmm. Sunday but um, but really just come with as raw as you are and and as broken and vulnerable and um, with all the mess of life and so um, that's I think the best descriptor of of what's what's the essence of of who he's like is so nice Uh, give us so your multi-site church give us a kind of you know I know some people are always nickels and noses they want to count all that kind of stuff so give us a sense of you know the scope of your ministry um, you know that, that kind of thing as well well, um, if you're asking about current reality, yes. uh, we're, uh, we're five locations in mm-hmm. all in the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Uh, combined, we're, we, we're like year-to-date averaging you know, 2,300, 2,400 people combined mm-hmm. at all locations. Um, at our peak in 2013-ish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and even before we went multi-site, we were touching mm-hmm. 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. On a Sunday, so nice. uh, things have changed quite a bit. So, cool. well, this is going to be great. So, uh, one of the things I love about about East Lake, and I said this last time you were on the show, is I think churches from across the country need to be learning from churches like yourself that are in uh, communities like you know Seattle around that uh, you know that part of the world that are um, decidedly um, you know post Christian you know communities that you know nobody wakes up. My my impression, I feel a certain amount of kindred spirit because I feel the same thing here in Jersey. People don't wake up on a Sunday morning feeling guilty that they're not going. To church, it just is outside of their radar. They're not; it, it's not even a category that they consider. And so, East Lake is one of those churches that, you know, for years I've been a fan from afar and said, "Hey, you, you should really um, follow follow them. I think they're doing a great job. You've really been a welcoming community, um, you know, to folks." And I've, I've seen that, and it's been encouraging uh, to see. And so, I'm excited to jump in today. But you know, really recently, I would say in the last year or so, you know, you've taken a stand as a church, uh, a more overt stand of welcoming people regardless of their 
their sexual orientation. And today I want to jump in and talk about that because I think you're one of the few kind of churches I would label evangelical, not in the like gun-toting right-wing evangelical sense, but in the sense of people who want to tell others about Christ, who are passionate about how do we get people connected to the message of Jesus. And it's been you know, interesting to watch from afar um, kind of that process as you've reached out um, specifically to try to, you know, articulate being open to people regardless of where they're at, um, you know, from a sexual orientation point of view. So let's tell us about that. Give us a bit of the story of what's happened um, sure. at your church. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it has been a journey for sure. And it's a journey that, that continues, I would say, as far as what we're continuing to learn um, mm -hmm. and what this topic means right now and in the church world specifically. But I mean, ever since I've come on staff four years ago, this has been uh, an a unresolved, I would say, conversation among our team and our senior pastor, um, Ryan, someone he's been processing for, for like five plus years now. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's one of those things that has like emerged out of who we are. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, I wouldn't even describe it so much as like a, a, decision point necessarily as much as it was uh, a revelation it, it's mm -hmm. it, we really do believe that um, we're follow we've been following and continue to follow the promptings of the, of the Holy Spirit in this and mm -hmm. uh, not just in some like mythical like weird way but in a in a actual like what's unfolding right before us the humanity that we're seeing the the people who were called to pastor mm -hmm. the um, the pain that we see that the church has caused that we're not and haven't been exempt from, um, had just sort of came to a head in, in the last six months or so. And so um, that's been like the big picture journey as, as far as what's happened. But I mean, recently, so you, you mentioned the Time article came out um, in January. And uh, even before that, you know, months, a couple months before that, um, a gal on our team who had become a really good friend, um, she let us know that she was uh, dating a girl. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that was the thing. Again, we had been having conversations years and years before, but I think that was the moment of like, okay, this is this is over. This is done. Mm -hmm. Because really what it came down to was um, her having been a part of those conversations mm -hmm. uh, and having close friendships with, with myself and with Ryan and with a lot of our senior leaders. Um, and when she came out to me specifically, um, and, and my wife, um, she was, she was terrified. She was, mm. she was, she was afraid that, that I was going to fire her. You know, she, she leads music, um, at one of our locations. And this was a Saturday night that she came out to us and she literally thought in that conversation that she wasn't going to be singing the next day. Mm. And that's, that just, that broke my heart and that, uh, that, that was a wake-up call for sure. Yeah. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if if my friend doesn't feel safe to be who she is here, um, and and knowing her and and you know seeing the fruit of her of her life, mm -hmm. uh, it it makes the issue pretty clear. I guess is, mm -hmm. is the easiest way to describe it. And I know that you know for for people that come from a, a traditional background like myself, you know, I grew mm -hmm. up Coptic Orthodox, which is about as traditional <laughs> as, as you can get. That's uh, traditional with a capital T. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's a hard thing, like you know, well, what about the Bible? What about these verses and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff? And all those questions are important, and they're ones that we have uh, have worked through and and uh, come to a, a, a sufficient place of of um, conviction, you know, mm -hmm. and, and repentance, really. And I think that's I think that's where the conversation really gets lost. Is no one really spends time talking about that piece? That mm -hmm. you know, it's not a matter of okay, I guess this is where culture is going, and this is what you know we need to do as a church at all. Like that's. Uh, we we need to be really really thinking about um, our, our LGBT brothers and sisters, the harm that we've done, 
and and be in a state of repentance right now. And that's really where where uh, we feel like we're we're at. And that this isn't something like yeah we're over that now, and you know we got all the answers, and this is the the future. As much as it is like no, this is this is a problem. Like we're we're creating hurt and pain, and and, um, and so. So now, that's really where we're at. Now, before this, would you describe, like, I feel like there's a, um, a position that a lot of churches are in where it's almost like the, the old, you know, don't ask, don't tell kind of, you know, mentality where, um, you know, there's a, there's a, a, just a certain vagueness around, you know, what we, um, you know, kind of either our practice or our belief on this particular front. And how would you describe before, you know, you, you took some steps leading up to this day, you know, obviously she knew this, it was a perfect example of here's that here's a young woman or a woman in your leadership community who clearly saw up close, the ministry of your church knew that you were a grace filled community, a loving community, but there was something that was being articulated that her, that got, got her to the spot of believing now this could actually go really bad for me. Um, yeah. So how would you articulate kind of where you were before this shift? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I would, I wouldn't say don't ask, don't tell was our, mm -hmm. was our operative though, as is, you know, as a bummer as it is right now for me to admit that I was a part of what existed, mm. what the way that it ended up playing out was case by case for us. Okay. Yep. Uh, and frankly, there, there just weren't a, a ton of examples. Um, there were a couple that I feel like we've, we handled, um, uh, gracefully in the sense that like we, we brought on an intern who identified as, uh, having same sex attraction, uh, prior to this. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was always in conversation. It was always in relationship. There was no mm -hmm. policy statements. There was nothing that was like, uh, articulated on our website about like uh, our stance or whatever, and so um, this shift was sort of a confirmation of what's always been there. But mm -hmm. it, I think the what's important about it is that you, it's not enough to not say anything. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as we are concerned, it, it had to, it has to be said that you know this is a safe place because mm -hmm. um, it, people there's just so much baggage that the church carries the unspokenness of of like hey you're you you can lead you can come here you, we love you but here's your lid and here's how much right. you can do like you can't right. work here you can't lead a group you can't you know mm -hmm. all these sort of whether it's don't ask don't tell or it's you know in, in some of the more conservative churches more overt um, just exclusion right. uh, it, it uh, the opposite of that I guess is saying saying out loud the opposite you're welcome mm -hmm. here fully affirmed you can lead just like anyone else can lead there's no limitations on your leadership and so that was sort of the necessary uh, next step that we saw just uh, what led to our, our statement in January okay so now um, you know I'm sure there's people who are listening in who are like rich but you've got to ask about all the you know the theological distinctives and would love oh. and would love us to to dive into that conversation you sure. know how today what I want to focus on is how you process this change as a community so what you did to kind because it's a significant shift and kind of the impact from that but if people want to dig into that conversation is there a resource on your website or a particular message that you could point people towards um, and we'll put we'll link this in the show notes but where would I point people if they want to dig into that particular issue? Yeah, no, it's great. We so after we uh, made the announcement in January, we ho we hosted two different events called uh, Together in This, mm -hmm. and uh, we created a website that has all the resources, books, articles, and even the video talks from both of those messages. Mm -hmm. It's actually a phenomenal resource. It's uh, togetherinthis.net, and so mm -hmm. if uh, your viewers want to go there, I think they would be um, very well resourced. But uh, specifically for church leaders, like if, if there's a church leader who is um, sort of in the throes of this conversation, trying to figure out how to lead their community, 
Uh, and there's a lot of them. That's what we're finding. One of the things that we're learning is there are a lot of mm -hmm. pastors who are, are privately wrestling with this and mm -hmm. trying to figure out sort of what's next. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say to those guys or gals, uh, call me, email me. Like, mm -hmm. I'd love to talk to you. It's, it's an important work that you're embarking on and um, love to help however we can. So yeah, okay. sh shoot me an email. Uh, give, me, give me a call and I'd love to uh, chat. Very good. I hope people take George up on that. He's a very generous guy for sure. And I will link to that resource in the show notes so people can, um, you know, just dig in a little bit deeper if, they, if they'd like to process that side of the equation. But let, let's get back to what actually happened. So you, you have this, you know, this, um, you know, fairly dramatic kind of coming out experience with a key staff member. Um, what happens next? How do you kind of, what, what steps did you walk through to process this change as a community? Yeah, so um, it came really before that. I mean, I mm -hmm. think uh, in 2014, we we did several messages just about a general theological shift. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of this, frankly, is centered around the Bible and how you mm -hmm. approach the Bible, and mm -hmm. um, and so we did several talks, Ryan did a lot on um, on just how to view uh, Scripture through the lens of Jesus and the mm -hmm. crucified Christ being the ultimate revelation of a holy and loving God. Mm -hmm. That God's not angry with us. That God is for us. That God. Um, wants to see things renewed here on earth as they are in heaven. And, mm -hmm. and that's a, it seems subtle and it seems like Christian language and all that kind of stuff, but it's a radical shift when you start mm -hmm. really, really thinking about the implications of that. You know, what mm -hmm. does that do about uh, uh, how we view war and violence mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so how true. we view, view the other and how we view, um, uh, you know, even other religions. And so mm -hmm. um, that was a journey that was started in 2014 and even a little bit before that, but really uh, sort of more. Uh, directly in messages that we that we put out in our community in 2014. Um, that was one thing. The other thing was um, we released a video, an ethos video that we started to play before every mess every uh, every message on a Sunday uh, in the fall of last year. That had things like you know married, divorced, or single here. It's one family that that mingles here. Is a, a mm -hmm. beautiful ethos statement mm -hmm. that we that we borrowed from a, a church in Denver called Highlands. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the lines in it is "Gay or straight here, there's no hate here." Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a subtle like indication of like, mm -hmm. you know, our, our leadership has sort of here and, and so and, and then private conversations with key leaders throughout our community. So there's a lot multi you know faceted approach to this. But <laughs> I say all that and, and uh, I guess I would cap it off with we did not do it perfectly. I mean, there's right, right. far from that. I mean, the Time article. Um, the way that ended up working, you know, it's like we put out a, a press release and <laughs> asked for them to, to do an article. They called us and, right. um, you know, we, we gave the interview. After the interview, it was like, hey, this is going to go out on X date or whatever. And it actually ended up getting ahead of us. So mm -hmm. the Time art article ended up coming out a week before we were able to do a message uh, with our church. So oh, wow. probably, probably wouldn't do it that way again uh, right. if I had to do it over. But, um, you know, there's... There's uh, a lot of second guessing and like, oh, we should have done this and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, um, I think what we're learning is that there's people people care a lot mm -hmm. about this this topic specifically. It's very polarizing. It's actually um, one of the sad things that I that I I'm, I'm seeing in all this is just how intense it is and how mm -hmm. dividing it is. And I don't I don't think it has to be that way. You know, mm -hmm. what we didn't say to our church is, hey, you either need to agree with us or you need to leave. That would sort of be um, beside the whole point of, of of inclusion. It's like we need to include people that we disagree with and that disagree with us too. And so we've tried to make it a point that that's that you're you're welcome here, regardless of how how you view the Bible, how you view Scripture, what your opinion is on on this specific topic. The only thing that we 
that you're not going to do is, is be hateful and, and you know mm-hmm. you're gonna we need a journey together and we need to have space and, and 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 dialogue and respectful conversation so that's been the shift now i i would suspect that there was and, and maybe i'm wrong but i su- would suspect so that this time article comes out and then you know ryan ends up getting up you know unfortunately sometimes that happens with the press right you know it, stuff can get away from you pretty quickly but um you know ryan gets up and, and preaches i'm assuming that there's somewhat of a tsunami of feedback that comes into the church um t- tell me about that process and how did you deal with it yeah so the that's a good way to describe it i would say it was definitely a a tsunami of um both positive and negative uh I think the people who are most supportive are really loud and the people who are most against it are really loud. And then there's this big subset of people on both sides in the middle that mm-hmm. just sort of don't say much, you know, they leave quietly or they stay quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the extremes are intense. That's mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, the, the feedback both from within our community and outside our community was, was uh, at times overwhelming. On, and again, on, on both ends of the emotional spectrum. So it's been a very... Um, challenging um, but fruitful and, and, and rewarding season you know one that I don't regret I don't mm. um, I, w- I don't um, I wouldn't trade for anything I mean it's right. I wouldn't want to do it again I wouldn't want to like start from the right. beginning and, like, <laughs> and, uh, and do it again but I think I think it's been the most life-giving season mm. of my life and in my mm. ministry and I think our leadership team would would echo that so um, has it been difficult and challenging absolutely it's right. been it's been trying it's been there's been times where we've been you know like wanting to give up and and, and throw in the towel or whatever but um, but it's it's definitely worth it and where we're headed and sort of the, the church the people that are still here and the people that want to continue to build this community with us are um, what motivate us to, to keep to keep going because there's there's you know we're, we're, what we didn't do is put out a rainbow flag out front and become a gay church right, right. because um, our gay friends don't want that either like they right. just want a church that mm-hmm. they can go to and just be normal and be you know with other people worshiping and, and trying to figure out what it looks like to uh, to join God in, in the renewal of all things here and now and so um, we're excited to build that community with these people and, mm-hmm. and hopefully be able to partner with other pastors who are trying to do the same. So it's a beautiful time. Um, hmm. we're, we're excited. So if there was a few things, you know, two or three things that you would say, okay, maybe some stuff I would do different next time. Um, obviously thinking there's probably people listening in today that are, you know, are, are trying to think about how, what they would do in, in this scenario. What would have you done different? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, because, because through this journey, we've, we've gotten a chance to meet a couple of other great uh, leaders who have gone through this process um, and sort of exchange notes with them and the mm-hmm. things that we say, hey, we would have done this different, they actually did and mm-hmm. it, the result was the same. Okay. Um, I think I think the biggest thing that comes out of that, though, the lesson there is that there is no formula really right. to this that's that's clean. It's right. And, and I think that's how you know that it comes from a place of conviction mm-hmm. versus st- strategy, right? The big accusation is, hey, you know, you're just capitulating to culture or you're trying to be politically collect- correct or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, that's dumb, right? Because first of all, in order to be politically collect- correct, there has to be a benefit to you, right? People right. don't, politicians don't flip-flop on issues because any reason other than they're going to get more votes or they're right. going to be able to raise more money. or And so... Um, it's not like by doing this, like we've made a ton more money and we're growing. No, mm-hmm. quite the opposite. In fact, like our church is down about, you know, 35, uh, 37% budget wise mm-hmm. and um, around the same number attendance wise. And so there's no direct benefit to this mm-hmm. other than it's right, other than we believe like we're, we're following our convictions. And so mm-hmm. um, I think by the very nature of that truth, 
um, there is a there's just a, a realization that there's no formula. So mm -hmm. um, I think I would have done that differently, and that I think we tried to sort of um, not control it, but predict the, the outcomes mm -hmm. and and have certain expectations at the organizational level, at the staff level, and even at the congregational individual level. Mm -hmm. Like there's certain people, you know, that it's like here's what I think this guy will do or whatever. Ah, uh, right, right, right. So, yeah. so I would say uh, having those expectations of anyone or anything to fall into place or not fall into place um, was probably the biggest mistake because you're just you're just going to be let down because this. It, you just don't know how deep seated this is uh, for for a lot of people, and, and people will mm -hmm. surprise, surprise you. So, hmm. um, yeah. So you kind of hinted on there a little bit. It sounds like you've had a bit of erosion of attendance and you know finances. You talk through that. You know that that piece. You know, I think we we can live, and I and I can be accused of this. You know, I I, I sometimes wonder. I think when I get before Jesus, He's going to sit me down and say, "Hey, so you spent a lot of time worrying about getting more people to attend your church, and you know I." I think there's going to be part of it. I can picture him saying in my imagination, you know, there's part of that that was really good. You know, I appreciate you trying to reach people. And then there's some of that that maybe wasn't so good. Um, so, I, you know, I have the humility to realize that. But, you know, I think there's some church leaders that are listening in. They hear that. They hear you throw out that stat. And for that alone, they would say it's just not worth the risk. Um, so can you talk through that a little bit for us? Yeah, and this is something I think about a lot because it, it is such a bummer because it is it is a reality and it is a hesitation for a lot of the folks that we talk to, mm -hmm. um, and it, and the intention and the motivation behind it is pure, right? Like these guys are thinking about their livelihood, their families, their staff, and their families, and mm -hmm. and the implications and the, and the stakes. The stakes are high, and so and on one hand, um, I get it. I, I understand that it's it's a huge risk, and um, so. On one hand, it's like how how deep is the conviction? What is the, what is the motivation? And how how uh, well are you postured to sort of weather a storm that'll come? Because a storm is going to come. You're not going to grow. Your budget's not going to grow. Um, certainly not immediately. What's going to happen immediately is that it, it'll be painful, and people will, will walk away, and people um, will accuse you of things that you didn't do, and people will speak poorly of you, and uh, and you'll lose friends and you'll lose uh, money and all that. And that sounds terrible, right? Like at, mm -hmm. on the surface, it doesn't, it's not a very attractive, which is again, why the whole notion of political correctness is hilarious. Right, right. Um, but if there's conviction there, I, th I think that first of all, that has to trump, which isn't to say, Hey, just shoot from the hip and be like, oh, I'm convicted. I'm going to go. It's to say, you know, still, you know, um, figure out what you're, what strategically you can control at some level, you know, put, have money in the bank and mm -hmm. uh, make sure that you're staffed appropriately uh, as is, all that kind of stuff. And there are practical things that you can do to prepare for, mm -hmm. for this. And I think in, in a, um, I guess, optimistic view and, and a, um, a long vision, you know, I said I'm a futurist. So, mm -hmm. so uh, looking ahead, I think that uh, eventually churches that are exclusive will, uh, will be, um, harm themselves more than it'll cost more essentially mm -hmm. to be exclusive than than vice versa. So there will be a tipping point, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, after that tipping point happens, I think um, it'll be a lot easier to accuse churches that that come out as affirming um, after the fact of cultural capitulation because mm -hmm. it will actually be beneficial at that time. Right. So I guess I would say, don't wait for that. Like if it's conviction, it's conviction, and, mm -hmm. and at, at some level. Um, if you have good leaders around you, and you have people who are who are doing their best to follow Jesus, like they'll come. Like that's that's been one of the most encouraging things about this is our incredible team, and how um, and just how how inspiring it's been to sort of watch them lead in this mm -hmm. season. So, 
Yeah, that's um, just on the practical side. You know, one of the things. So th- this comes a bit from an executive pastor point of view. What I'm about to say, I, I uh, <laughs> so when I because I had heard that hey, there was maybe a bit of contraction there. So I went on your website and looked at your staff listing, and I'm like, it seems like they're still employing a lot of people. Yep. Um, you know, did you end up having to contract a little bit, or were you able to kind of weather the storm financially so far? Yeah, so we've had to cut in a lot of different places. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we uh, one of the biggest implications of this, just on a practical level for us, is that we've we've had to close one of our campuses uh, in Monroe, and for for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one, it was already sort of in our most rural, remote uh, communities, and beautiful community, amazing people um, were, were part of it. Um, but it represented an, an asset that um, we had equity in, and so um, we're in the process of selling that, so that uh, we have we have a little bit of cash to to function with. Um, and um, our uh, campus pastor at, uh, at that location uh, was transitioning, and so it was sort of in the midst of this season mm-hmm. where trying to hire someone and sort of like reboot any sort of energy into that just seemed untenable. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, there was two, a couple of, I think two or three other staffers um, who were off, were either offered other positions or I think one of the positions ended up being eliminated. Um, and so uh, that was really the most negative um, staff implication that we've had to live through uh, right. uh, through this transition. Other than that, though, uh, things have a little bit self-corrected. We've right. had a couple of just like like random things. Um, a couple members of our team got opportunities in other places, other states, mm-hmm. just sort of disconnected from this issue. Mm-hmm. And so um, things have kind of worked out in that sense from a staff perspective where we've been, we've been able to preserve it. Amazing people on our team um, came forward and took voluntary pay cuts mm-hmm. to, to, to weather this. Yeah. Um, which is just unbelievable. It's yeah. just like <laughs> it's really, really inspiring to be around these people. And so we really feel like we're doing this together. You know. Right. So, hmm. well, it's just two last questions. You know, what would you say to another church leader? You know, we've kind of talked a bunch about this. Who is maybe wanting you know to be more open, but is feeling caught in that zone? You know, I would say reach out to you. That's a great, you know great thing to do. Listen to your story. Um, anything else you'd say to a church leader out there today who's thinking that? I think the more that you get this quote unquote issue mm-hmm. out of the clouds and out of the hypothetical and out of like the like the talking about it mm-hmm. or them even worse yes. uh, and the more you can humanize mm-hmm. um, and, and just be in relationship with people and ask them their stories um, that's really where the change happens that's that's uh, more than any like book or video that you watch on that together on this website or, or whatever that mm-hmm. is gonna, those are going to be helpful resources and tools and they're going to give you handles um, but the relationships that you have with real humans who are doing their best to follow Jesus and um, you know to to look them in the eye and and sort of um, I guess decide what as a as a human 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 what what do you what do you do with this person? And, mm-hmm. and the the answer becomes pretty clear, right? As mm-hmm. a follower of Jesus, it's mm-hmm. it's you love them, and 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 what does that what does that actually mean? How does that play itself out? Mm-hmm. Um, so so for me, the I guess the the moment in which that reality came to a head um, was when I, I think the the perceived decision, right? As this mm-hmm. like in hindsight, as 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 my friend tells the story. Is that you know she was feeling like she was going to be fired, and that didn't even cross my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was going to fire her. It's ridiculous to think about, but the fact that she was thinking about it shows that there is an impasse there, right? Mm. So, um, so, so I guess most people don't have to come to that 
place of decision. They can have a theological idea about something mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any practical implications in their real life. So for those people, it's a lot easier to, to sort of have a traditional uh, view on this. But mm. it's, it gets really messy once you're in real loving relationship uh, with people. Well, George, I've really appreciated you coming on the show today um, and talking through, you know, all this. Um, it's been super helpful and hopefully insightful to people who have uh, been listening in. A couple of years ago, we had Jonathan Merritt. Um, he's an author. Um, come and speak at Liquid. It's great, great. It was a great day. And we got talking about this particular. He wrote this great book, A Faith of Our Own, which is a fantastic book. If you haven't read, you should read that. And, you know, one of the things he said that stuck with me from that day, he, uh, you know, was because he's kind of a pollster, um, you know, he is kind of a cultural, he's trying to kind of take temperature of the culture. And one of the things he had said when asked about this particular issue is he said, you know, in 30 years from now, people are going to look back at exclusionary churches in the same way that people look back at folks uh, on the, the side of the civil rights argument that didn't end up prevailing in the end and saying, you know, who, why were you, why were those people even there? Who are the were there were Christians that actually didn't want civil rights to pass through? Who are those people, and what you know what were they thinking? And that you know has stuck with me. Where I'm like hmm, that is something we need to wrestle with for sure. And so my hope in today's interview is that as people have been listening in, uh, that it's been thought provoking, and you know even just what you've said there at the end that. You know, we would put a face on this issue, even if it's just here's another church leader who's trying to wrestle with this. And so, George, I really appreciate you being on today. If people want to get in touch with you uh, or with Eastlake, how can they do that? Yeah, um, shoot me an email, uh, george at eastlakecc.com. And I'll do my best to to get back to you and and support you. So, yeah, if you're on that journey, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. I know it can feel uh, lonely in, in in that place. So we'd love to be a resource if we can. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Hey, thanks for having me, Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>